This is a flash of pure inspiration. This man is absolutely mainline to pure footballing magic. You're goddamn right. He emasculates them. Yes. Individually. Yeah. Collectively. Feel that, buddy? Huh? It is on fire. Incredible talent, incredible variety, like never seen on any other show before. You people are amazing. We're also down to just two people who understand how to keep time in a soccer game. For fuck's sake, stop saying soccer. No, that's, that's like football without pads, right? Let's have some fun. It's football time. How's it going, ladies and gentlemen? This is episode 19 of Off the Pitch Soccer Talk. Um, you can find us on Twitter at OTP Soccer Talk. Um, I was live tweeting today during the Leicester City match. Uh, we also live tweeted from the Revs game this past weekend. Yeah, the Pats uh, game. The, yeah, the Pats <laughs> game. Um, but we'll get to that in a little bit. First, the introductions per usual. The man on the DJ board over there, that is your producer, Carl Badger. Good evening. Um, the guy over here, did you get a haircut? No. No? What, have I seen you since you got a haircut? Or did you not get one? Have I just been drunk every time I've seen you and yes. just noticed? Okay. Yes, you have. Okay, well, the co-host over here is Zach Pelican. He just got himself a new haircut. <laughs> <laughs> and I am... Buenos. <laughs> Buenos I am the your host, J.P. Chouinard. Um Episode 19, that means you got a kit number 19 of... The, the week for us. Well, like I said, we went to the Revs game this Saturday for their home opener. Uh, we're going to briefly touch on that. Not necessarily so much the game, just the experience of going to Gillette and what we thought of the MLS product. At least I've got some opinions of it since the last time I was there. And then I drank too much and forgot the majority of the rest of the game. But um, I have my opinions. We're going to get into some FA Cup today. Uh, the quarterfinal draws were made, or excuse me, the semifinal draws were made today. Um, we'll get into that. The only quarterfinal match left is the West Ham Man United replay, um, and they will have Everton in the semifinals on either April 23rd or April 24th. I don't know which day they were drawn to. And then we haven't had our team recaps in a while. Um, it's been about three, maybe four episodes. Excuse me. That um, we have since we've gone over West Ham, Arsenal, and Liverpool in no particular order. Unfortunately for me, Arsenal has been on the down tick, but both West Ham and Liverpool have been on the uptick. So I'm sure Pelly and Carl have things to say about those two respective teams. Um, we're going to get right off with it then. Uh, episode 19, um, kit number 19. And we're starting to get to the point now where the bigger numbers are coming and we're starting to ne- not necessarily find any guarantees in the game right now or that have played before to wear their jersey effectively. But we did find a diamond in the rough today with number 19 uh barcelona he currently wears a 10 kit but when he first came up in 2003 he donned the number 19 and that would be the argentinian uh lionel messi do you want me to start with lionel or give us the stats throw them out you want to do this oh jesus there which ones because i've got about seven thousand stats over here all of his awards of course um it all just career goal totals 
and this is in the league, 371 league goals in 309. Oh, I'm sorry, 319 and 371 appearances. Socks. Copa del Rey, 39 and 54 appearances. Champions League, the all-time Champions League leading scorer with 82 goals and 103 appearances. And then just other stupid games that don't matter. He's got 19 goals in 19 matches. With a total of 459 goals in 550 matches, which turns out to be a .8 goal per match average, which is quite astounding in the history of football, not just in any one particular league or for any particular club. Um, and I'll end it with his achievements. Internationally, he went. They, that Argentinian team went to the finals in the last World Cup against Germany. They unfortunately lost because that's who my pick was. But he's got 65 goals and 128 appearances for them, which is about half a goal a game, which still is not too shabby. I would take that on any team that I managed at any day of the week. Um, I'll start. I love Messi. Messi, is. if there was an individual player for me, that got me into watching soccer and appreciating the game for what it is. It was him because when you think of the other world athletes um, in any sport, they're generally big, burly, athletic guys. Lionel, Lionel Messi is my size, and he has all the skills, every skill imaginable. He can head the ball. His set-piece taking is second to none. Can't defend. He, his work rate, though. Not that great of a defender, but his work rate, he always gets back to the other end of the field. He plays his defense, marks a man that they need him to mark. Um, but he he it's watching him play is watching a video game, essentially, in my my opinion. And even watching this year's Barcelona team, you you it's they are on a different level. And yes, he's got a lot of help and he always has had a lot of help around him at Barcelona, but he is that cog that gets everything going. Um, like you said, his vision, his anticipation on where to be after he gets rid of the ball. He can make those little two, three-man triangles, passing triangles, and section off a quarter of the defense better than anybody at least I've ever seen. And from what all the big pundits that we pay attention to now since we started following soccer, they say they've ever seen and arguably ever has come into the game. So messy to, messy to me is a soft spot. I've got his pair of shoes around here somewhere. Um, I don't have my Barca jersey yet, but that's coming up soon. Um, but yes, Lionel Messi, very very special one for me. Yeah, I would love to tear you down, but uh, <laughs> hard hard to do with him. No, certainly the best that we've ever seen. Um, man, I mean, it's funny because I think back to when I first saw him and we first kind of saw him coming in because he was he's going to be the first player that I think. Thank you. Um, he's he's going to be the first player, I think, I think, that we really appreciate him start to finish. For the American viewer, for the American yep. football fan, similar to a Tom Brady. You remember yep. his first start to now what will be the end of his career. And Lionel Messi's the same deal. I mean, this is a guy who, yeah, he's still only, I think, 27, 28 he, years old. He's a year older than... Pelly and I are. Carl's a little younger because yeah, so he's a he's, bum. He's still a kid. I mean, he still has probably another three or four more years at the peak of his power at this yep. point. His big thing for me was his ability to pass and move in tight spaces is unequaled. And that's what's made him such a great player because you can add him to any number of attacking players, whether it's an Angel de Maria who's more of a wide guy or a... Uh, 
straight up striker like a Gonzalo Higuain or a Luis Suarez or Neymar. In all of them, he knows how to pick the passes, lay the ball off with perfect, perfect touch every single time. It's fun to watch. It is. And I mean, I'm not a huge Messi fan. I was more towards the Cristiano Ronaldo side of things because he sells great underwear. But outside of that... (laughs) Probably um, does like a large package. (laughs) (laughs) No, but, um, you know, he's just... His ability to move the ball in tight spaces, be able to pass the ball, be able to score with literally no space to be able to do so. Beautiful to watch. And he, he does... He does... Um, purvey the name beautiful game because it really is fun to watch and play exactly real quick I'm I can't name them all because I think the only other per- there were actually only two other ones that I remember what that when we did this there was a list this long of things that they could do and those were Pele and the aforementioned Cristiano Ronaldo uh-huh. um, but and with his club he's won the league one two three four five six seven eight. I think times that's a lot of numbers to put in front of my face. Well, considering he's been with the team since he's seventeen, that means he's won what eight out of twelve years. They yeah. won the La Liga. Yeah, that's go. pretty good. Um, he's Fine. got three Copa del Reyes, won four Champions Leagues, which uh, that he might be the only one. That, a lot of players on that team, but he, I think he's got the most out of all the big names, big name players that you hear of always coming through. In those big international cir- circles of club football, he's got four of those internationally. Like I said, he won an Olympic gold medal in 2008, and then in the 2014 World Cup was a, the runner-up to Germany that year. Individually, um, he won the Ballon d'Or multiple. T- I believe he's up to four now. He, he just won it this year. That's five. Yeah, he's the only five-time winner. Five-time winner. Um, Let's see. FIFA World Player of the Year a couple times. Uh, the European Golden Shoe for four consecutive years between 2010 and 2013. Um, La Liga Best Player. That one's really nothing on this list. Uh, he's been on the UEFA Team of the Year, the World Eleven, every year since 2007 now. So he's going on in a decade. That's not bad. That's not bad at all. Um, and let's see. Let's see if I can find one more. He oh. hit a... He hit his 300th goal for Barcelona, right? Recent, recently, yeah, this year. Yep. I think he. I heard something the other day. He's the only person in history to have more than 30 goals in like seven seasons for any league anywhere in the world. 30 goals in a league year, which is unreal. Um, here you go. Some records. Most FIFA Ballon d'Ors, most consecutive Ballon d'Ors. Um, the youngest two-time winner. Um, let's see. Top goal scores. This is all just... he. Everything's all about how many goals he scores. But yes, Lionel Messi. I might have to, if I'm managing the team here, I might have to throw him out there on the wing and get Cristiano out and have Cristiano come off the bench personally. Ooh, but, I don't know about that. But that is a debate that we can all have on OTP Soccer Talk. Nice little segue there. I wasn't planned. Ooh, I'm getting good at this. Um, but yes, at OTP Soccer Talk, next week's going to be episode 20. Um, let us know your favorite number 20, who you think is worthy of the... Um, I think that's going to be the last spot in the starting roster. Uh, well, we have well, 18, including the bench. This would be number 19. True. So. Maybe not. <laughs> Maybe not. We'll have to boot someone else. We're going to boot somebody else. 
Dep- All right. Depends on the formation that we're playing on that given right. day. Well, we're gonna play. Right. We're we, gonna play eleven forward. We do not have a reserve <laughs> keeper. We do not. But there are. I have looked, and there are keepers coming up. Multiple keepers in the twenty region that okay. we can pick from. All right. So all right. Just make sure. we will. We will be back to the keepers shortly for all you keep fans. Um, but yes, like I said, next week number twenty. Let us know your. OTP uh, kid of the week ideas, and we'll see if we can get them on there. If you guys are idiots and we're smarter than you, Christian Pentec. <laughs> is anyone interested? Will not in be number twenty. <laughs> hearing a list of the top three players that have, or at least some of the top three players that have hit um, over three hundred goals for one club, um, or you want to move on? No, if, that pulled it, some up. It's gonna be. I'm gonna assume it's gonna be Messi. Um, 300 goals for one club, I think. Or over. Henri only got 200 with Arsenal. It's gotta be, there's got to be a Man United guy up there somewhere. No. The, uh, um, I'll give Pelly a... I'll give Pelly a I'm thinking one, Raul, one. Raul with uh, Real Madrid. Oh, yep. That That's a good on one. The list. I'm looking at the top three. I've got the Sun. Uh, there's a Sun list that came out, um, I think, last year. But they have... Messi, Raul, and... I'm, I'm well, these are... Oh, 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 these sorry. are... Easy. Uh, <laughs> these are, um, I think, history. In history. So, they've got Hugo, Pele. Hugo Sanchez would be the other one, I guess. They've got Pele, Ian Rush, and... Rushy. Oh, yeah. With and Liverpool. Yep. Uh, and Seller. Yep. All right. They've also got Steve Ball, uh, Mueller, Rawl. Good Mueller. Yep. We actually just, we whiffed on that one. I forget what number he was. He was like number 12 or something. Or 11 or 12. He He's coming been. up. No, he he was number 11. Oh, no, 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 no. First no. kit number. Yep, no, no. I'm thinking of Schweinsteiger. Schweinsteiger. No. Possibility there at number Gerd 21. Gerd Mueller, all-time leading uh, German goal scorer. Um... But yes, kid number of the week. It was a company drink almost. Yep. <laughs> what? I said that was a company drink almost. <laughs> yes, it was. We both, uh, sorry for the dead air pellet, I just both lifted up our drinks thinking the car was going to say something, and he didn't. So you heard us guzzling boom sauce. <laughs> um, but yes. Sponsored by <laughs> Lord Hobo Brewing Company. If we got sponsored by boom sauce, that would be the best sponsorship I think we could get. Of all time. All time. Um, so yeah, that's the kid number of the week. We're going to move on to, real quick, like I said, just the experience from the Revs game. doesn't have to be too quick. Well, yo, we, can, we can take our time. We can take our time. We did start a little early today, so. Um, I just feel like we're always doing things real quick. I know. I, we're I not get Leon, antsy. We're not, Leon, antsy. We're not Lionel Messi. <laughs> we, we can be big, slow central defenders. <laughs> you can be. I'm not big enough to it's be true, a big, slow. I'm just going to be a slow central defender. I feel like you'd be more of a, a fullback if I had to put a put something on you. Oh, so no way. I'm, right fullback. No, you'd, be, you'd be a Donnie I'm a winger guy. I'm a winger guy. Yeah, but I don't think you have the foot skill. I don't need foot skill. I'm just going to sprint and just sling him in. I'm not tall enough to head him. Yeah, so you're, you'd be I a, have no playmaking a good, ability. A good wingback fullback. You'd be, you'd be like a, a Donnie Alves or a Nathaniel Klein. I do not want to be Nathaniel Klein. <laughs> or Hector <laughs> Bellarin. <laughs> I do like Bellerin. That, that could work. Yeah, there you go. Um, but yeah, the Revs game this weekend, I haven't been, I checked. I thought it was only two years ago. I haven't been to a Revs game in four years. And just my takeaways were, four years ago, I don't remember being able to tailgate. And that could just be my own <laughs> personal thing because I got there to the game later, whatever reason, and mm-hmm. I didn't sit in the parking lot and wait around to tailgate. And B, they've got the, the majority of the lower bowl now 
open available for ticket sales. Yep. The back end of the closed side of Gillette isn't open. Um, but the last time I was there, they only had the side that the cameras look at on TV. So where the light towers to our right, we went the other day. They had the whole lower bowl open. And I would say it was probably about 70 75% full, um, all things considered. Yeah. So the, not too bad of a showing. I don't think you would have gotten them all on one side. I think that's why they had to open that other section across the way. So it's good. It looks like it's grown in there. The other thing, too, is the last time I went into a Revs game, I don't think I necessarily appreciated a soccer game the way that I have now or the way my fanhood has evolved. They don't put out that bad of a product. We were 16 rows off the field for 50 bucks, Not too bad. Right up there, with it, you could hear the players yelling on our side of the field, and you were close enough to the act, far enough back to see the whole pitch, but close enough to the action that you could really appreciate some of the nice plays that were made out there. Mm-hmm. Um, one thing I had about the game itself, and I talked to you a little bit about it before I got trashed, was they play. They do a lot of heading the ball at midfield. I know you were yeah. going to talk about. I'm assuming you're going to talk about what you talked to me, so I'm not going to ruin that for you. But um, a lot of heading. Not a lot of the midfielders can take the ball down the feet mm-hmm. and start moving the ball that way. It's a lot of p- pinball in the middle of the field until somebody can gain enough open space to get some possession. Uh, but other than that, I thought it was I thought it was a very very good time. They're home again April first. I think I'm definitely going to try to go. If you guys are obviously welcome to come with me. Oh yeah. Um, but going a little earlier, tailgate, um, do it right. Maybe by then get into the Revs uh, supporter section. The fort. The fort. Yep. We'll see. That might have to wait till a bum team comes in their next home games against the New York Red Bulls. Who's there? Big arch nemesis. Apparently. Is it the Red Bulls or NYFC? No, they're gonna be in New York at Yankee Stadium in two weeks. The next three games are in Philly at Yankee Stadium and then back home against the Red Bulls. So, but what did you guys think? Uh, I thought it was great. Uh, me and you talked about it for a minute. Um, the f- was this before or after the second half? Because it was after the second half. I'm pretty useless. <laughs> so, yeah, it was, it was probably a pretty useless conversation. Um, but we had talked about, you know, when I got in there beforehand, I was saying, you know, I, I'm not really looking forward to the Revs becoming popular, going to a Revs game becoming yes. popular. Because as of right now, it's fun to go to. It's it's a, um, easy to get in great seats great place to watch great atmosphere but we were talking um it's it's sort of like a kid's spectacle yes. at this point unless you're in the supporter section yes um it's almost kind of like going to the dcu sort of for it's like going to monster. bruins game kind of no the bruins game, there aren't a lot of children in bruins games but and at least not sitting where i am because it, usually the family takes them out after the 10 minutes in yeah, but it's it's kind of like going to one of those spectacles at the DCU, like the monster trucks and stuff yep. like that. Which, I mean, it makes sense. You know, more kids in America play soccer than yep. you know older college kids or whatever. So you're more likely to see that. So it's harder to hold your tongue. It's harder for JP to get hammered and not make a fool out of himself. But oh, he proved that wrong. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, um, you know, besides that, there. I thought I thought that they do I thought that they do a great job. I think that, you know, like I said the atmosphere is great. So being there no matter what you know price ticket you get, um I think you're still going to get. Like I said you're in the lower bowl, you're going to have a good seat wherever. Yeah, and 
And even the game, I thought, was great. I mean, it was nil-nil, but even still... Yeah, you know, you had a you had a bunch of great plays. Everyone around you, even even though, like I said, we weren't in the supporter section, everyone around us is they were very all into the game. I'm pretty sure that the girl uh, behind us could probably replace Pelly the way that she was <laughs> well, <laughs> analyzing the well, game. Well, <laughs> with that too, when when we when we, uh, when we first went to the Phoenix a couple of years ago for the was that the the League Cup final, FA Cup final. FA Cup final, Liverpool and Chelsea in 2000. Oh, that might have been five years ago now, but anyways, when, that was the first time I saw a soccer match in a setting where everybody's watching soccer, mm-hmm. as opposed to I go to other bars or parties to watch the Super Bowl or then say basketball tournament, and what I really liked about going to the Revs game, like Carl said, everybody in there is enough of a soccer fan that when a good tackle is made, everybody claps, and you don't have, yes, the kids are there, but the parents and the kids aren't going back and forth with the cotton candy or taking selfies or doing whatever. Everybody's there to watch the game, mm-hmm. which was refreshing. It's not like a Sox game. Yeah, exactly. No, it was a great, 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 fun, 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 <laughs> fun atmosphere. No, it was good. You were able to kind of park wherever you wanted. So you didn't have to worry about no, you know, paying no, for parking, yep, which no is pay- That was huge. amazing. I had actually, I actually had two or three people walk up to me or drive up to me and say, hey, do we have to park, pay to park here? I was like, there's no way you're getting into this area if they want to get money from you and not paying before you get in. Right. <laughs> so... No, that that was great. Be able to park, be able to kind of you know do a little bit of tailgating. Nothing too extreme. Well, we but, didn't you know, know what we were getting ourselves into either. Like my, you own, said. my only, yeah, my only uh, fear was uh, there were kids out in the parking lot and people were kind of just ripping Kicking through the ball the par- around. Yeah. yeah, they were kind of just ripping through the parking lot, going way too fast. But that's just a personal thing. Um, outside of that, in terms of getting into the game, still an opportunity to where you can show up. And this was their home opener. Show up. Go to the ticket office, get yourself a ticket, walk in, choose, you know, choose off of I, a, a list of, of I seats. I think we finished having our last beers at 2.45-ish, yeah. walked the five minutes up to the ticket counter, bought our tickets at the ticket counter. I think we only missed seven minutes of the game. Yeah. So, yeah, ideally we leave a little bit earlier to get in to see opening kickoff, right. but it wasn't a mob scene like a Pats game where you have to leave an hour and a half before wherever you're tailgating right. just to get in and you still miss the first quarter. Exactly. It was – and it was – it was easy, no lines. Everyone was pretty well behaved. I think you know, yeah. Obviously, you had your loudmouth, you know, college age kids, but at the same time, I think everyone was there to have fun. In terms of the match itself and what you saw there for the product, it's gotten better. I mean, the MLS has gotten to a point where, yeah, you're not watching, you know, the beautiful. You're not talking about Lionel Messi, <laughs> right? I'm not gonna, you know, put it there. The biggest issue I have with this league and cumulatively if you put it all together the biggest problem i have with this league is the fact that they're still playing on astroturf it is so detrimental to the game you cannot play the ball on the ground as accurately and as crisply as you normally would and i actually i watched a premiership match literally the next morning uh, actually lies it was an fa cup match premiership teams but you watched uh west ham versus man, man U. U, which i'm sure we'll get to in a minute but you watch that match and they play on this absolutely perfect dance floor of a surface. When you play on that, you know, field turf or whatever it is that they use at Gillette, it just doesn't catch the ball correctly. As soon as it, it hits, skips. It, well, it 
field turf is made to be able to bite into whatever is touching it. Right. You know, it has that natural, not necessarily suction, but right. almost a suction. It creates more friction than you typically would. So when the ball hits that particular surface, it grabs. And that's why you see the ball, it has a dribbling motion to it. It doesn't Instead necessarily rolling. roll. Exactly. And that's the one gripe I would have about what you saw at Gillette. In terms of the players, the quality, and what you saw there, and we even talked about this, Jose Concalves, a guy who started in the, this past World Cup for uh, Costa Rica. I mean, you look around at the talent. I mean, there are a lot of really, really solid players. Now, I'm not talking about guys who are going to make a EPL All-11. They're not going to make a UEFA All-11. But these are still very solid players. I mean, we're talking about a guy, you look at um, the Revolution. Juan Aguadelo got bought you know, two years ago and had a work permit issue with Stoke City. Yep. That's a mid-table club in the Premiership. They wanted him to be one of the guys that right. led the line for them. Teal Burnbury has a U.S. or has cast for the U.S. national team. Same thing for Lee Wynn, who Charlie was Charlie Davies would play Charlie over, Davies, overseas who, before he had his right. car accident. And he was a player who I think a lot of people looked at as being the next great, you know, speedy uh, striker for them before there was the Josie Altador thing. Um, you take a look at some of the other guys. Chris Tierney, I think, is extremely underrated. Great left foot, defensively has his moments, but. Ultimately, a pretty solid player for an MLS quality guy. I mean, he could easily be over in Europe playing for one of those leagues. Maybe not a high quality team, but could right. certainly provide a, a wide option for a lot of those teams as well. Uh, you look into the midfield. Um, I don't know what the guy's first name is, but Kofi. Kofi, fantastic! Right, as soon as we got in there, three, he made three tackles right at right on his defensive, right on that line between the defensive third and the mid third. In a matter of three minutes that shut down the D.C. United offense, three nice tackles, got the ball right out. Yep. Got the ball right out. Now the Revs could go. And not saying that he necessarily started every opportunity, but I remember two a bunch Solid of times. distribution, was able to pass, maybe not great length passes. We're not talking about Andrea Pierlo. But right. at the same time, he was able to knock down 15, 20-yard passes in the middle of that field, yep. be able to open things up for them. Scotty Caldwell wasn't great. I think, you know, next time we talk to Ben, I'm going to give him an earful about him because I did not <laughs> I, I did not see the potential that he's talking about. But still a solid player who broke up play, looks almost more like a central defender than anything else. But still, that's what you want from that shield in the back. And then you had Kofi, which, like we were saying, that was that, that was the uh, jersey that you said you were going to buy gonna, when we were yep, there. <laughs> yeah, that was the jersey I was going to buy. I did buy my jersey. I love these jerseys. They look like the PSG jerseys, and I'm a big PSG fan. Um, I think they're real slick. Unfortunately, when I went to go buy it after the game, I was hammered and I bought one without a name on the back because I really wanted a Kofi one. But, all right. That's a timeless classic now. But it is a time. Now it can go up on the wall next year when they come out with a slicker jersey. Exactly. Hopefully. Um, fingers crossed. Fingers crossed. Though, just not real quick. We started early. But I, I know you mentioned, and I think part of it, part of the pinball in the middle of the field, there's a very condensed midfield there. And, and I'm assuming that's all the MLS product. And one negative... One positive was that I couldn't count the amount of times that good balls, at least on the Rev side, DC is apparently going to be trash garbage this year, and the Revs dominated the whole game. But positive for the Revs was they had a lot of through balls, a lot of out wide runs. That always yeah. now you get the stand, everybody in the stand standing up. Oh, what are they going to do with this? Mm-hmm. Now naturally, soccer's the game of. Naturally, you make a mistake. Every you get it down to the, it takes you twenty chances to get one good one. Right. But the way that they were able to create going forward was very fun to watch. Yep. You, like you said, no, no Premier League level stuff. But on the other hand, too, you have the quick little guys that can get out there. Um, we 
Dago Kobayashi came in. I think he hit the crossbar at one point. In yeah, that. he caught the, the the far cross yeah. on that one. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I was really impressed. I was really impressed with the quality of product that we were going to get out of, that we ended up getting out of it from beginning to from once we got into the parking lot until the game ends. Because after it's, that, that's when I get blurry. because yeah. I drank too much. <laughs> but that that product for essentially fifty dollars a person. Yeah. Was better. I think I had more fun doing that than I would have at a Sox game. Oh, absolutely, absolutely, no questions asked in my mind. Yep. So I, I was very impressed. I really enjoyed myself. And like I said, their next home game is going to be April first. So I think we're. I'm definitely going to try to go. I, I've talked to you guys before the show. I'm going to keep talking to you the next couple weeks, obviously. But excuse me, we're going to try to get a contingent in there again. Um, But yeah, no, I, I liked it. Anything else on the revs, Pelly? No, I just, like I said, I, I think we got to see the maybe not the best of what they can be, but I think we got a very good taste of what that team could look like. I think, uh, you know, once we see their younger players get it, you know, kind of ingrained in the squad a little bit more, I think really that right fullback side is going to be what they're concentrating on. They had Ben Watson over there. Oh, yeah, that's right. <laughs> this is first thing, not Ben, but, but Watson. Um, McCrary is going to be the guy that I think they ultimately go with, who's a little bit more of a speedster up and down that right side. Andrew Farrell, we saw him not great with the feet, but a very good athlete. Was able to get to a lot of the balls in that back line. Goncalves, very good at breaking up play in the midfield, along with uh, Caldwell. I thought they were a very strong group. Kofi looks like he's going to be the guy that really kind of gets things going in that midfield. Um, and then ultimately watching that attack go at it, because when they get the ball, they are as good as I've ever seen an MLS product in terms of being able to pass the ball short, quick, intermittent pass and to be able to create an opening and be able to get a shot off. They had two or three great opportunities. Unfortunately, they couldn't put anything away. But yeah. good products, worth going to see. And anyone who hasn't been to a Revs game, you're going to do it for bottom dollar and you're going to get a product that, quite honestly, is going to impress you. I yeah. almost guarantee it. Definitely, definitely. Um, just real quick, Charlie Davies did pull up with a hamstring pull in the 33rd minute of that game. Um Looking, reading the past couple of days, it sounds like it's just a minor little pull. He may sit out this week's game against Philadelphia. If he sits out this week, he's definitely going to be back in two weeks for NYFC at Yankee Stadium, which means that hopefully he will be back on April 1st when they play the Red Bulls, who is their main rival. Um, but, yeah, good Revs experience this weekend. Like I said, we'll keep you guys in touch, too, over the next couple of weeks. We, we've all been talking – Personally, and not we're not going to throw any of the Red supporters groups' names out there because we don't want anybody to get hurt. We may not have seen your sign, but we're going to try to do that definitely this year. Get into the supporter tailgate section. Um, we're going to try to get into contact with some of you guys, see what you guys like to do, see how much you actually know about yeah. Revolution Soccer, um, and then definitely we're going to try to get in the fort one day and really see what the hooliganism is at Gillette Stadium. Moving on, we haven't talked a lot of. European soccer lately, we've or ex, particularly Premiership soccer in the FA Cup. We've been, we did our uh, Champions League a couple weeks ago. We did our special League Cup um, recap. episode recap. Um, so we're gonna get into FA Cup now. They're in the semifinal stage. Uh, we'll start with the one game or the one match still left to be decided. That's the West Ham Man U match. Uh, other than that, the other three teams are in. We'll get to them. But who do you think advances through the West Ham match to play Everton? And I know Carl's going to say West Ham. <laughs> so if you want to lead it off, go ahead. If you want to divert to Pelly, fire away with that too. Well, yeah, I'm going to say 
West Ham. Uh, but if I can touch on the game a little bit, I'm going to go um, a little off the rails. And from what I've read online, um, I've seen that people seem to be satisfied with this result. And I'm just going to say um, I think the opposite. I think that during this game, um, I think players – you know, like Slavin set us up far too defensively in the first half. Uh, I didn't think there was too much need for that. I think that, you know, man, you have shown time and time again that, you know, if you get stuck into them and take an early lead, they completely come unglued. So, you know, we needed um, we needed we needed to score early, and, and it's sad because we ceded possession to them. Um, we did nothing with it, and... Even still, we kept them in the game. You know, we were we were light on defenders. They had Winston in. I think he clearly wasn't ready um, and probably not fully recuperated. Hopefully, you know, he'll get better than that. Amenteke was poor, and I don't know. I think that he put some decent performances in the last couple of weeks, but I think Sako showed that he was primed in the last match. I think he can come back. Hopefully his speed would have made a huge difference on the onset. But, you know, I think we looked great, but, and I think we were the better, I think we were the better side. I just don't think we took the opportunities and I don't, I don't, I don't think we um, took the opportunities to win at all. Uh, I just think we needed to put it to bed early, quickly. And, yep. and that's, and you know, that's what, that's what ended up with the the one one to us. I think we're lucky to have Pyatt that we still had Pyatt in to to get that free kick. Yeah. No, you know Pyatt got that goal in the sixty eighth. The devastating part was, and Anthony Martial he's re- was really the only big name player. I'm looking at they played De Gea, but other than Schweinsteiger came in in a reserve role, but he was really the only one that was out there. That isn't one of these young kids that, unfortunately for Man U, have had to play because of injury problems. Um, and he's the one who got the goal. Uh, the strike, Marcus Rashford, I believe he's only an 18, 19 year old kid. Um, Fellaini's a bit, Fellaini's always there. Michael Carrick's always there. Um, other than that, though, I'm looking at this player list of the starters, and they're not, they're grinding out those results, Pelly, like we've been talking about. Grinders, but this is a scary thing if they're this young and they're going this far in FA Cup tournaments. In my opinion, because they're going to come back with a vengeance next year when they're healthy, and now they've got even more depth than they already have. I totally disagree. Oh, okay. <laughs> I'm, fair on the, I'm on the polar opposite side. Of that I think it is a huge indictment on where this team is to go out there and honestly from what I saw in this match I thought they were dominated by West Ham I thought that West Ham was better start to finish they created better opportunities they had a couple of opportunities I saw uh, Andy Carroll with an over the top ball you would have appreciated oh Andy Carroll over the top I haven't heard that in a while (laughs) I haven't heard that in a while right over the top to (laughs) I don't even know the, the guy's name um one of their wingers was was cutting it. it wasn't Antonio it was one of the other guys but comes in on a strong cut couldn't finish was an absolute within the first 10 minutes I think it was it was a layup for him and he couldn't put it through 
for me, going back to West Ham creates a very, very interesting story here because I think West Ham going home now has a huge advantage, a huge advantage. Mm-hmm. especially if you're thinking about this, Bolin Ground, Upton Park, they're going there. This is the last year they're going to be there, and if they can put this to bed against Manchester United, a team that they do have something of a rivalry against, not a huge rivalry, but they do have something of a rivalry against, great opportunity for them to stick it to them in a season where I don't think Manchester United is all that strong. I think their players well very talented individually have not gelled as a team. Louis Van Hall has absolutely bungled this season from start to finish. Honestly, I look at this and I think this is West Ham's chance to really put a stamp on this season. They find themselves in the semifinals against Everton. Everton Still still a tough ask to be able to knock them out, but at the same time, they'll have an opportunity on a very, very even playing field between the two in terms of the talent that you have in West Ham and Everton. You could be talking about going to an FA Cup final as, as yep. West Ham, and, and for them, you can't ask for too much better. And they're still in the race for being in a European spot. Exactly. Unbelievable season for them. I give West Ham a huge thumbs up going back home against uh, Manchester United. Manchester United's going to... We've seen the best of them this year. There will not be better... I'm well, gonna stick with. I'm West gonna remember. Ham. I'm writing this down because you and I have to have a Man United talk on the air one day. Because I am uh, moving forward. I am on a different level as you clearly. Because I think that they're gonna be. Mm-hmm. We'll, we'll get. We'll get into that in the upcoming weeks. But I'm writing to... it down right now. Is going into the official, off the pitch. Is going right on the card book. It's going into the, the diary. I'm gonna going have to pull diary. some of the old audio clips from Pelly. Um, <laughs> no, I <laughs> about West season or West, West season, Ham. West yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, we'll season. see in the next few weeks. Well, I, I mean, I, I'll admit Manchester United is a grinder team, and that's where we're seeing all their results coming from. They don't have the ability to run away with matches, and right. that is they're, the they're big, not the, big struggle yes. that we're seeing from them. Yes. They don't have that ability now. Is it because of the injuries? Is it because of a dysfunction between whatever's going on in that locker room? Maybe, but I think Manchester United is starting to feel a little bit of the same pain that we've seen from Liverpool over the last five years, where you have guys who have been at the team for years, who are comfortable. Yep. And as soon as you have comfort within a squad like that, and they think that, the you know what, I know my name's going to be in that 18, I don't have to worry about anything, that's when you start to see teams fall apart. And I think, unfortunately for Manchester United, I don't see a very quick way out of this until they change managers and purge themselves with some of these players. All right, well, I I also agree because they're going back to Bowling. With that, we'll transition right into that. Assuming West Ham wins... The draw, and I've got the draw right here. They're going to be playing Sunday, April twenty fourth at Wembley against Everton. I like I like West Ham to win. I like whoever wins this game to come out of that match purely because those are the two best teams left in this tournament. So I'm going to have West Ham going. And Everton's had a very down year. However, Everton will be a very dangerous team in my opinion, considering that they were looking at being a top half of the table club arguably fighting for one of those Europa League spots. Right now, they're sitting in the bottom half of the table. This is a year that they can go up and get themselves a trophy when they arguably shouldn't be where they are right now. Um, but that's going to be a, that's gonna be an interesting game. I like the winner of the Man U-West Ham match. Against Everton, you're saying? Against Everton. Well, we talked about this last week. Everton has the fourth, I believe, best goal differential in the Premiership right now, or was in that neighborhood uh, going into this week. Everton is a very good attacking team. Roberto Martinez lays that team out in a very 
uh, he might be progressive way pretty much every week. He doesn't try to draw matches. He doesn't try to play pretend. He doesn't do the Jose Mourinho. Let's grind it out for a, for mm-hmm. a, a nil nil uh, draw or anything like that. He's going for the for the for the throat every single time. And with the talent that they have at Everton, it makes sense for him to do that. The thing is, this is the the issue that you do run into the case where you don't see this team draw a ton of matches. You see them win. Or you see them lose. Right. And unfortunately, when you get zero points, it is a huge detriment to your team, especially in the middle of the table. I'm not going to be shocked when this team finishes in the top eight at the end of this year. So take that as you will. You know, Maybe I'm wrong. I don't think I am. I think this team's going to jump two or three teams before the end of the year. They'll be in the top half. They're going to have to reassess at the end of the year. Who do we want to be? How far do we think you know Roberto Martinez can take this team? In terms of the matchup, they play United... I love Everton against United. I do not think United is a very good defending team. I think Everton would slice dice and get themselves to the final. West Ham, I think it is a much bigger ask for West Ham to beat Everton because of the fact that I think Everton can defend well against what it is West Ham tries to do. They shut down Payet, which I think they're capable of doing with John Stones and a few other defenders that they do have, Seamus Coleman on the outside. Then we're talking about a little bit different of a dynamic so Everton, I'll take over United. If they play West Ham, that's going to probably that that's my final right there. Yeah, we'll see how that goes. Um, well, I'm glad you brought up Roberto Martinez because he might be playing. They might be playing this tournament now for his job. Yeah. They are very disciplined. If he doesn't win, there's a very good possibility that and doesn't get back to the top half of the table. There's a very good possibility that he's gone in the summer. They're looking for a new manager, mm-hmm. which. Heard everybody hears that the players like him, but on the other hand, too, there's also some players who probably don't like him. So it's very, it's gonna be a very interesting dynamic when you have managers who are playing for jobs mm-hmm. or having their teams go off for jobs, where the team says, "No, I've tuned you out, and we're gone." Or, hey, we really like you. We're gonna go off and we're gonna give you 110 percent tonight and try to move forward and get ourselves into the final and hopefully win the thing. Mm-hmm. The other match, which to me is. I, this is a, the most interesting match out of the two that we already talked about. Whatever happens with that match mm-hmm. and the Everton, West Ham, Man U, whoever it is. But Crystal Palace, who cannot get out of their own way in the league, is now in a semifinal of the FA Cup against Watford, who's a team that was recently, within the past two, three years, I believe, promoted up. This year is their first this, year. This is their first year up. Mm-hmm. Perfect. Even better. They have a chance now, one of those, to go off and steal one from a club that, or any number of clubs that should be winning this title. Because right now, I don't think the four teams that are there, I don't think any four of those are one of the first five picks to win this tournament going into it this year. United maybe, but other than that, the rest of them I think you're not considering as champions. Mm Mm-hmm. Like you said, both these teams have a chance now to go into the final and steal something that nobody thought that they could get. A la Leicester City, maybe, with the league, which we'll get into in a little bit. But and I think Crystal Palace is gonna pull it out, and I don't know I don't know why. That's just a gut thing. I would love to see Watford win. I think Crystal Palace is gonna pull it out. They've been playing they played well in the League Cup. I believe they went to the quarterfinals in the League Cup. They've got now they're in the semifinals here. They seem to be the cup type of team. They like the pressure of the cup. And 
they've got nothing else to play for because, like I said, they're just getting smoked every single week. And the, the they're still we the past four weeks, five weeks, we've been talking about they're out of form. They're the worst form team in the league, other than Aston Villa, naturally. Mm-hmm. But then you get them in these cup runs, and they're playing very, very well. Yeah, it. I love this matchup, first of all. I just want to say that. I, do I think you have two teams who are, I don't want to say they mirror one another, but I think they're actually quite similar in a sense that you have some really great attacking talent, and then on top of that, they play to be more of a counterattacking style team on, on both ends of the pitch, uh, or for both ends of the pitch, I should say. Troy Deeney for, West, uh, for Watford, fantastic, has had a great year. Guy that Arsenal was looking at, uh, really good opportunity to... For them to really kind of announce their presence, a team that I think is going to stay up. It looks pretty safe that they're going to be up for next year as well. And then on the other side of the coin, you have Crystal Palace, who's had a great run these last couple of years under Alan Pardew, has been a really, really strong influence on this team, has instilled that maybe not a winner's mentality, but it certainly looks like a winner's mentality, being able to put them out there, making sure that they're in the middle of the pack every single year for the last two or three years. And Yannick Bolasi, I think that's going to be the name that you have to really, really think about for this one. He was injured the last few well, eh, maybe a month or so, going into this last few weeks. Crystal Palace died as soon as he was out of the lineup. And with him back in the lineup, if he's healthy and fit, I'm going to go with Crystal Palace. If he's not playing at 100%, coin flip. Easily a coin flip. Either one of these teams getting to the final, great story. Great story. And the good. either one of them making it, that is the accomplishment of the year for them to say, we made it to the FA Cup final. Then, like I said, let alone if they stole one, not not Leicester City esque, if you will, not to that, um, not to that magnitude, but still, right. but still a very surprising win and a very good win for either one of those two teams if they do pull it all out, getting you that bid into <clears throat> Europa League play. Exactly, exactly. For everyone except for Manchester United, that is a good thing. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Um, with that said, anything else on the FA Cup? Like, so we're going to be off the FA Cup now. It's going to be, huh? Who, If you had to choose out of the remaining, what is it, four five, five teams, who do you want to win it? Who West do I want to win it? <laughs> Boo. Um, I'd pro- I'd, I want Watford to win. I think that would be a cool story. Um, I don't I don't want Crystal Palace to win because I don't think they deserve it because, like I said, they can't get out of their own way. And I'm not really an Everton fan. West Ham would be cool to see Carl go nuts over it. It'd also be really cool to watch West Ham lose in the final and really see Carl really <laughs> see Carl lose it. <laughs> Watford um, over West Ham for the final. That would be awesome. That would be my in, in that would PKs be, just to watch him just cry. <laughs> that would be my ideal final. Can share final. my pain of the league up. <laughs> that would be my ideal final. Yeah, I no, I tend to agree. I, honestly it's a coin flip. I, I do like West West Ham Theoretically, oh, and uh, Carl, Carl's end of the show Car- today. Carl's already, uh, <laughs> Carl is already getting fired already up. Carl's <laughs> already off the wagon. Um, no, I, ideally, I would love to see, um, I'd love to see Watford take it. I think that would be really, really great because that's that's a club that has not had a ton of, of success ever. Yeah, not a lot, of, not a lot of silverware in the, in the cabinet for them. However, West Ham. Wouldn't hate to see them get in there. I want to see them get into Europa League because I think that's going to allow them to kind of justify the money that they've been spending and maybe give them an opportunity at some players that they wouldn't typically be able to get. Right. And that might put them right behind that top six, if you will, and put them right into the category of, okay, next year, maybe right. a title run isn't out of their realm right. of possibility with blip, uh, blip, 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 
No. Slavin Bilic. <laughs> and um, Slavin we trust. Yeah, and with the rest of that team, which maybe they get into Europa League, maybe they keep Payet. Maybe they keep some of these players that you know. I personally sit there and say, eh, they're going to get stripped down this summer. Right. But right. we'll see where it goes. And if you guys haven't forgotten, we have Payet. <laughs> right now you do. <laughs> but yeah, have that, you heard that chant every game? I love it, but it's got to be fucking annoying for anyone who watches <laughs> our games. Well, we—it's just we have Pyatt. It's, we have it's. I can't remember. That's I not my favorite West Ham chant. My favorite West Ham chant is "Let's pretend we scored a goal." <laughs> Let's pretend we scored a goal today. That's a good one. <laughs> no, they have a new one. It, it, it was they came up with it this season, but it's uh, like we have Pyatt. We have Pyatt. Dimitri Payet. I can't remember the whole thing, but they sing it every game now. Every game. Every game he's out there. It's it's awesome. I love it, but I can only imagine what it's like to play us and especially to go to one of our games. Yep. But already, any other FA Cup talk from the off the pitch listeners at OTP Soccer Talk? Like I said, unfortunately, there's going to be too much FA Cup news. The draw was today. Um, so, But when it gets back swinging in about a month, month and a half, we'll, we will be bringing it back up. Depending on how the match goes for the West Hammers, maybe we'll be attempting another field trip. Uh, we kind of failed at the first one. Um, but w- maybe we'll see if we can do a fil- field trip for the semifinals if West Ham gets through. Um, but that's the FA Cup talk. We haven't talked about our teams a lot in the past couple weeks. That's what I'd really like to get to. Real quick, just going to run down the table like we do every week. The bottom down, 16-20, to 20, Swansea. With 33 points, who Crystal Palace also has 33 points too, and they are in terrible form. Swansea should pass them. Sunderland with 25 points, yet they've got a game in hand. Norwich City in the first relegation spot with 25 points. They do not have the game in hand. Newcastle, tough loss today to Leicester. I thought they were going to pull it out. They dominated the play. It looks like Leicester now is just kind of scoring their goal and putting 11 men in their own box and saying, try me, we're not going to give up anything. But Newcastle also has a game in hand, and Aston Villa is still in the bottom of the league for every week that we've been on the show in 20th place with 16 points. Five up real quick, we've got West Ham with 49 points just out of the Champions League spot, and they're starting to close in because Man City and Arsenal, who which I thought they were only going to be able to catch one of them, they may catch two. Man City's got 51 points, Arsenal has 52, so they're within a game of a Champions League spot. Tottenham looks to be clear. They looks like they will get their Champions League spot in second with 58 points, and Leicester City, with their big win today, is at the top of the table and has been for a while with 63 points. Who wants to start? Do you want? Do you guys want me to start? Yeah. Since you guys are on nice two little nice four game runs here, and Arsenal's yeah, not on a nice little four game run here. <laughs> One note that I did want to throw out there for Newcastle is they picked up this week Rafa Benitez as their new manager. Oh, they um, did. They did, and that's that creates a very very interesting storyline at the bottom of the uh, bottom of the table. Newcastle, Norwich, Sunderland, even Swansea now. Like I said, Crystal Palace, they're clear with 33 points right now. We know Villa's going down. We don't have to talk about that. But in the same breath, Rafa Benitez is a very, very good defensive manager and very, very good at being able to grind out results, which Newcastle, if we go back to the conversation last week when we talked about the bottom five, my biggest thing was Newcastle's roster isn't built 
to be able to grind out results. They're built to win big or lose big. Yep. And I think the pickup of Rafa Benitez may have given them a little bit of a spark going into these last eight weeks now. It's going to be really interesting to watch that. And I think Sunderland, Big Sam, that's going to be... They're pulled right into the conversation. And I think Swansea is the team that you need to really worry about oh, now. Crystal Palace, like I said, they're right there too with 33. And the other team that I'm worried about because they... They've been in the worst form. They've been the worst form team, not for four weeks, not for five weeks. They haven't won in the Premiership since the first week of December. We're going on three, four months here. December, January, February, March. We're going for four months here now where they haven't gotten a win. They're not drawing a lot either. Right. They, not that they start off so hot, but they are falling quick. Now it's just a matter of can these other teams catch them? Do they stay in poor enough form where they're not getting results and okay now you can go off and get a win every other day the rest of the way in and get mm-hmm. your the bottom teams climb their way out um but yeah real quick newcastle i was watching the game today they outplayed leicester they outplayed leicester i'm not shocked and but leicester they got a goal early um the asian guy that they got up there they started him kobayashi maybe is that no. his name i'm blanking on his name but they usually comes in as a sub energy guy they started him today. He got the goal. Nice bicycle kick goal, too, on a terrible, terrible Newcastle clear. That's why Newcastle's at the bottom of the league, apparently. Um, but then Leicester just packed it in the entire second half. Packed it. They didn't even try to play offense. And they spent the last 10 minutes. It was just Vardy and uh, who's the other midfielder that they got over there. Plays out on that right wing. Ryan Mares. Yes, thank you. It's Shinji Okazaki, Okazaki. Is the guy that you were, were thinking about. Yep. Um, uh, Mares and Vardy, they just spent the last 10 minutes. That's when they finally pushed the ball forward, and they didn't push the ball forward. The other nine players on the pitch stayed behind the line, and they're just down, dancing around the corner, kicking it off of each other just to kill time. Yes, good for Leicester if they can do that all the way through, but that's a, not a good sign to me that if you're packing it in that early against Newcastle, after an early goal in the twenty, uh, Manchester United and Arsenal, a Liverpool, a mm-hmm. any of those big clubs at that moment, they're going to go off and try to bury him and say, "Nope, let's let's go off. We just won the game. Let's get a couple more goal tally here and move on next week." But that's kind of the beauty of what Leicester City is doing, though. But how, they, but, they, they but have, how, it's, uh, this isn't a new thing. Yeah, no, no. But they've how, been doing it all year long. Logic, they've been playing the U.S. national team style, watching it. Watching it, watching it today, the whole way through the game, was Newcastle can't score because Newcastle's the second worst team in the league. Mm-hmm. You've got some games coming up: a Southampton team that's a good team. Mm-hmm. You've got a West Ham team that's a good team. That if you just sit back and let them just sling them that's in, what they've been doing all year. I know, and how long what is I, that going to run I, out? I, what, I, what have I been telling you? When Leicester City is at the top of the league. The league title is still wide open. Yep. Yep. <laughs> and I don't mean that as any disrespect to them. That They have done everything that they could have possibly have done this year correct. But they play a style that is very, very dangerous. They can score a ton very quick. They can give up a ton very quick. Yep. They are not extremely adept defensively, but they're just going to sop up the pressure and they're going to counterattack. And they have the best build of a counterattacking team that possibly we've ever seen in the Premiership. And yep. for me, like I have said multiple times, if Tottenham ends up winning the, the, the 
the league, if Arsenal, well, Arsenal's killing me now, but City, Arsenal, I mean, these teams can still get right back into this with eight weeks left. Leicester certainly has a nice lead and they're out on their front foot, but ultimately the way that they play opens them up to, they can lose to Newcastle and they can beat whoever number two is, you know, whoever you think number two is. And that's the, that's literally the spectrum of what you can get from Leicester City in any given week. Right. Um, well, yeah, so um, Arsenal isn't out of, because Leicester City gets harder those last eight games. Mm-hmm. Um, Arsenal's, at least from my perspective, Arsenal's got the much easier schedule. By far, yeah. Now, Arsenal's also put themselves in the position. They've got the game in hand, but you need to start reeling in wins here. You can't give me two losses and a draw in your last three. Um, and I'm just going to keep with my Arsenal talk to whether Arsene Wenger should be the manager of this team next year. Mm-hmm. And it's... I'm torn. Every time I say, we got to get rid of them, we got to bring somebody new in, I think they've got the pieces and the build to do it with Arson. I think Arson is the right manager for the squad they have built. But now we're on a five, six, seven-year run here, Arson, where you haven't won the league, and you've been in Champions League every year. You've been there. You've had your opportunities to take the league down, and you can't finish it at the end of the year. You and I always use a comparison. They're the San Jose Sharks of the EPL. They are one of the best teams over the whole course of it, but they don't have that killer instinct. Now, what can you bring in? That's when it gets interesting. If Man City drops out of the Champions League spot, there's rumors that Pep Guardiola won't come over if he doesn't have a Champions League spot. I heard that uh, that is a myth. That is not that actually That is a true. myth. I've heard... Uh, Damn it! I was heard, really hoping that that's what was going to work out for I've me. Heard, I've heard multiple reports that that was a myth that was started by NBC. It was a conversational myth that was created, so... Well, that sucks. <laughs> God damn it, I was so happy. But anywho, I, I'm, I'm very curious to see how this is going to pan out. I'm, I'm not one of these guys at the FA Cup replay over Hulsey where they won 4 nothing a week ago, two weeks ago, whenever it was. They had fans in the stands with flags waving, thanks for the time, Arson, we need a new guy. I am not so against Arson that you go dump him now, but the, what but I, the what, patience, what was my prediction of being but the patience is wearing thin. The patience is starting to wear very, very thin. It, with Lester on top, I'm starting to believe you more and more that the title isn't going to be done until the last day. Yeah. So I don't want to. I can't go ship him out of town now, and then I don't have a manager for the next eight weeks. Obviously, right, right. Not, I'm not that crazy, but let's see. Our, can you reel him in? Can you reel him in? Mm-hmm. I think you've got a better chance of reeling. Tottenham's got a harder schedule. You're six points behind him now with a game in hand. So if you win, you're going to be three back. You need some help from them as well. Right. But let's see if he can reel him in. If you can, if they reel him in, they finish second on the table and. One of the other two wins on the last day by goal differential again, like for for, for the first time a couple of years ago, or you're off by a point. That's not fireable enough to me. Where, okay, Arson, you're out. What is very disappointing is you just you blew it. It was in your hands the entire year. You had a very very bad top of the table. You are, I think, Arsenal is the best team in the Premier League right now on paper, personnel wise. With a manager that's been around for 20, 25 years now, however long it's been, 
there is no reason Arsene Wenger should have lost this year. Things happen, I get it, but if you are outside of three points at the end of the year, that's when I think, okay, maybe it's time we give you the axe. Yeah, I think what you've seen with Arsenal is, and this is what all their supporters are currently trying to chant, is the fact that you've seen a stalling of this team's growth. You've yep. gotten to the point where this team has not taken a step forward in years. You haven't. Yep. They had the invincible season. Great. They've made a Champions League. And you final. can't be that way every Great. year. I understand that. They've been that. in a couple of semifinals since then. Great. The thing is, eventually you get to a point where if you're going to be a round of sixteen or a quarter finalist in the Champions League every year, no, yeah, they get bumped out every year in the quarter. If you're going to be round of sixteen, top four, but not really in in the race to to win the final. What are you doing? Or to win the Premiership. Okay, and then you know whatever you want to talk about for domestic right. cups, great. You know they they win the FA, FA Cup this year, woo, three in a row, right. yippee, right? Which, exactly. Which is a which is in its own right. I think it was the first time actually. I heard this on uh, the other podcast, World Soccer Talk, that I listened that I listened to that podcast, and they said it would have been the first three consecutive years one the FA Cup has been won since. Like nineteen hundred or some stupid. It, yeah, it was one of the first times ever basically right. so in the common era it's probably the first time that's ever happened right so that was kind of impressive but in its own right that's already gone too so right right well and, and my whole thing with the fa cup too is that's fine and dandy league cup's fine and dandy if you are an arsenal if you are a manchester united are we those are the only two teams really over the liverpool but they've been down recently so that's why i'm not putting them in that conversation well here's my question to you as an arsenal fan now i mean you're, you're, i care you're, more you're about the, i care more about the league and i care more about champions league Absolutely. than i do about yeah, the fa to. cup or league those, cup. those are the two big trophies that you're going after every given year here's my question to you arsenal you just said best team quite possibly in on the paper. league on paper why has this team not addressed the needs that they have had consistently for the last five plus years you're talking about a team that doesn't have a midfield that has any steel to it never went out and got a guy like a paul pogba or anything like that to Mm -hmm. really address the needs that they've had central defense they've constantly had the same grouping of garbage every year year in year out they don't address their fullback situation where you have a hector bellerin who's way too young to really be a consistent contributor on a team that you want to win a title with they let a guy like bakare sanya leave who Maybe a good choice. He had a pretty average year this year. On the left back, I don't even know who their left fullback is. Who is it? Oh, oh gee. Uh, Kachalny? No. What's his name? Shithead. Gibbs. Oh, yes. Which yes. is, okay, that's not going to give me a, a hard on. That, you know, right. I mean, you're talking about a team that has multiple areas of their, their team that are just... It, why do we keep on seeing them see, buy I, I, Alexis Sanchez? They buy Santi Cazorla. They buy... Mesut Ozil. Jack Will- yeah, Jack Wilshire, Mesut Ozil. They're building the same exact spot. They have so much depth in attacking midfield into their <laughs> attack that it's ridiculous. Yeah. And people want to say, oh, they need another striker. No, they don't. Right. They have about four other positions on the pitch that they do not have filled. Right. Peter Cech was a fantastic that, signing. Yes, that, I agree. That I would give credit for uh, purely on the basis that they went out and did that. But outside of that, we're talking about a central, central a holding central midfielder, two fullbacks, and two central defenders that they have not touched in years right. in the way that they needed to. And I think, ultimately, that has to fall in Arsene Wenger's hands because that is him who builds the team. The only thing, I'm going to end with this too, just on that. I'm curious, I know Arsenal's got more money than God, but I'm curious to use another American sports reference, and particularly one that we are close with here. Mm-hmm. And don't get me wrong, Pelly, you know my opinions on the Boston Red Sox. I do but, indeed. But I think that they almost take that Boston Red Sox mentality of 
we're going to take our money. We're going or, or an old 80s, 90s Boston Bruins team. We're going to be good enough to sell out the arena every single night, get our fans into it so they buy all of our merchandise. But at the end of the day, and that's why maybe it's not Arson's fault. Maybe at the end of the day, they won't let him go off and spend the money on that extra player because they can pocket that $50 million instead uh-huh. of going and getting X, Y, or Z. And that's where I'm cur- I'm not enough. I'm not close enough to that situation to know that about the ownership, but I'm curious to see how that works. It, 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 did, what is that noise? Sounds like a drill. <laughs> oh, maybe it might be a drill. I am not drilling anything. <laughs> but yes, I, I not yet. I'm 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 wondering where that dynamic is. Is it yeah. arson spending the money incorrectly? If that's the case, then you got to go. If it's the team not giving him the money because they're perfectly happy raking the paychecks in third shame place and getting knocked out in the round of sixteen every year, shame on you for being that way. Right. So that that's like I said, that's the only concern that I have that I am not close enough to the situation, not as invested to the as I would be with the Boston Red Sox with how that works. Mm-hmm. Um, we'll go Carl first real quick. Outside of the. FA Cup. Anything big for West Ham the past couple weeks? They have gotten three wins and a draw in their past four. Uh, there are two points outside of that Champions League spot. Uh, I'll ask you the question. Would you rather have the Champions League spot and bow out of the FA Cup, or would you rather have the FA Cup trophy and stay in your Europa League spot? If you had, if you had to pick. Ideally, you get both, I know. <laughs> um, probably Champions if I had to pick. Um, I think it I think Pelly had mentioned it earlier. I think it. I think it gives. I think it gives more weight to our team next yep. year. Um, I you think get more, it, more money. Exactly. Bringing more players, um, and that's something we definitely need. I mean, we struggled with. Uh, we struggled with attackers on our end for a long time at the beginning of the season. Now we're struggling with a defender, and we can't seem to find a good balance of keeping healthy players. <clears throat> so. Um, I think it's important for us to. I think it's important for us to figure out exactly where we want to aim as a team. Um, I mean, obviously, you know, I'd love to have, I'd love to have it all. But if I had to choose, yeah, I, w- I would rather keep. I would rather keep our our place on the table. And I think, don't get me wrong, FA Cup would be great, but it's been a long time since we've seen West Ham up this far this late into an EPL season. So I think, you know, for the club, for the fans, for everyone, I think it's important to stay at this level. Like I said, obviously I I want everything, but I I think I personally think and I personally want to see us get a league win and stay in this sort of a position. Alrighty. Yeah, I mean, for me, West Ham, barring an epic collapse, this is going to be one of the best seasons that they've had in the last 25, 30 oh, years. Which oh, is, they had an epic collapse a lot in the past 25, <laughs> 30 years. So let's, <laughs> let's hold our breath. See, it seems fair. to be a pretty normal thing for them. But in fairness, though, that collapse happens a lot earlier. True. Yeah, no, true. This, this is, in terms of the lateness of the season and where they currently are, this is the best that we best shape we've seen them in, in a very, very long time. Since Arguably, I mean, this could be their best season since 66 when they actually won the league and they were... Yeah. Among Europeans, elite long before. I mean, long before uh, the the Champions League. Obviously, if you just want to say, you know, in in that chance, but um, you know, in their second tier. But 
since they've gotten up by far, this yep. is our best season. Yeah. Yeah, it's been impressive. I think they've got a roster that is tailor-made to what it is Slavin Bilic can deliver. And on top of that, I mean, you're looking at a possibility at silverware this year and a European spot, whether it's a EuroLeague spot or, or, knows, or spot. If it's a Champions League spot, even better. Mm-hmm. They make Champions League, they keep Dimitri Payet, they add to this team, and they take another step forward, which then makes them a team that outside of the top eight or outside of the top six any given year, it's a huge disappointment. The, the thing that... And I'm looking at it now. I know you guys don't have it directly in front of you, so I. But the thing that I'm very curious about, and not the collapse, I'm not. Right. I'm just giving you a shit about that one, Carl. But three of their next four are Chelsea, Arsenal, Leicester. Mm-hmm. So they've got a very tough run of it coming up. I know Chelsea's only in tenth now, but Chelsea is Chelsea. Uh, they are just as good. It's just they've got their heads up their ass. If they go off and play the well, the way Chelsea's capable of playing, uh, they've been a lot closer to that team recently. Yes. So. Yes. So and now Chelsea's out of the Champions League, right? So now they're gonna focus on one thing, one thing only. Yep, and they're just gonna go, and I think that they're gonna try to get the momentum going for next year. Arsenal, that's a team that, as a West Ham player, you are physically competing with them for that Champions League spot. If you want to mm-hmm. get up in there, you're going to need to pass either Arsenal or Man City. Arsenal's your easiest way to do it, head to head. Then Leicester's the best team in the league. So th- these next, this next month is going to be a lot of, okay, is West Ham the real deal? They shouldn't be a Champions League team if they can't get through this run. This is one of the runs that the Champions League teams will go through and get five points out of those three games. Mm-hmm. Right. If they're only going to get three or less, well, okay, now you're dealing with the big boys. Like regroup. Not no shame on this year, but regroup it again for next year and understand. Okay, that now this is where you are. This is where you need to get, and you can build from there. Mm-hmm. With uh, with Chelsea coming up, I think Chelsea is a very important game. I think this is where we got to kind of uh, weed out exactly, um, you know, who fits where and and who works well with who. Um, you know, who's strong on our bench and who's not. I think uh, I think it's a I think it's a great matchup in the sense of. Trying to piece all those, um, all those puzzle pieces together, you know, Crystal Palace coming up. Obviously, you know, n- I'll never throw, you know, I'll, I'll never piss in the wind when it comes to certain teams like that. We could always go down, and we've seen it happen before. But I think, I well, think I wouldn't these, be surprised if you won the three big matches and then yeah, lost right. <laughs> and then yeah, lost exactly. the Crystal Palace and got them reeling. I think these two next games are very important. Obviously, the FA Cup matchup, seeing wherever we land in that as well. But with Chelsea and Crystal Palace coming up, this is where we need to focus and see, um, you know, who our who our detailed players are and who we need to keep healthy. And essentially, we got to bring back some defenders in case, um, or at least in time for Arsenal and, of course, Leicester. Yep. Alrighty. But well, I was going to bring something up, and I, uh, I wanted to ask this. I was kind of saving it in my pocket for the next time that Pelly talked a little shit. So I'm sorry <laughs> if this comes off a little, uh, a little bit of a jab, but I figured I could use it as a segue. All right. Um, is Slavin Bilic what you guys were hoping for Klopp? Uh, we're hoping for much better. <laughs> <laughs> well, are you, don't, I mean, don't, are you don't gonna, take it the wrong way, but finishing fifth in the league isn't really that. But are you for us. are you going to see it? Yes, yes, yeah. And perfect segue. Um, we're actually on our way to the quarterfinals of the Europa League. Yeah. Um, uh, 
Well, yes, yes. You haven't played, your, but you... We haven't played. We're on, sm- we, you, have a, we have a tool nil. You are... The- you were home, though, for that, correct? Yes. We'll be okay. going to... The, so, the House of Horrors for the uh, for yeah. the second leg, but no, we're we're on our way to the quarterfinals of of the Europa League. One goal in that match champ- should push you. Champions League, yep, but one goal in that should push you through. Right. Um, so, yeah, I'm feeling pretty confident. I'm feeling pretty good with that. Uh, in terms of Jurgen Klopp, I mean, he's given them everything you could have asked for this season. This team, the way that Brendan Rodgers put it together, and and this is not, no indictment on Brendan Rodgers as a manager. I think he's actually a very good manager. The problem with Brendan Rodgers is he did not know how to buy players at the level that Liverpool was asking him to. And what he did... Not a good talent was, evaluator. I politely disagree. Good talent evaluator, very bad at building a team. Had no idea what kind of piece to put with another piece to be able to build a team together. He never, he didn't have the intuition to be able to see how's Dejan Lovren going to mesh with a guy like Martin Skirtle. Mm-hmm. Horribly, horribly. You have two guys who have very, very similar styles who aren't are going to leave spaces behind them, who are going to leave spaces in all sorts of defensive ways. Horrible problem. Playing guys like Joe Allen out of position, buying guys like Christian Benteke and and not being able to understand how to get him the ball and, and properly to be develop a team to be able to go wide, to be able to give him right. space inside. And he he brought together an eclectic group of talent that Jurgen Klopp is now sifting through to find those pieces. And I think he's gotten to the point where now you look at this team, he's comfortable with what he has, and he knows how to press it together to be able to collect results. Now he doesn't have a match every three days. He's able right. to look at this this fixture and schedule. That's what it, that's and that's what say, his problem was a lot of January and February. And exactly. I, I think that's, and that's it's good you that you're in their, all the tournaments, but that's when you saw the downtick in their league play because right. they're in playing seven different tournaments at once. Right. They were one of two teams in England that, after the New Year's, was still in every single yep. tournament that they had started the season in. And for them... They've gotten to the point where now you're down to two different focuses. It's the league and it's Europa League. And ultimately, I think their finish in Europa League is more important than what they do in the league. Because I don't... I think all of the supporters of Liverpool have kind of let go of the idea of making top four. Though, by points, they are right in the thick of things. They have at least... Seven, seven points back. Right. And they have one game And they've got a game hand, in hand. And two games in hand on some of the some other teams yes. in the top four as yes. well. So you're talking about six points that they could easily put on that board. So you're, now you're talking about one point out of being in the top four right. in, in some realms, I guess. The biggest thing for them is they've got four league matches that are going to really define the rest of their season. Everton, Chelsea, Tottenham, and Stoke. Those are the four big ones. Outside of that, they should be able to take full points off of every other match, which is, I believe, five other matches. they got, like, West Brom and a bunch of other um, poop right. heads. Their next five, they've got Southampton. I, I Southampton, another South team they should beat. Oh, Southampton's currently ahead of them on the table. But they're tied. They're two locked up on hand. points. Yeah. Two with two games in hand. Like I said, Tom's gonna be a tough one. Stokes right there with them. Yep. Newcastle being the gimme win should be. Um, and then the other one is Bournemouth or Watford for whatever reason. The thing isn't telling me. I know it's Bournemouth or Watford. They might have both of them actually to to round it out. But ultimately, I think they should be able to take full points off of most of those matches. So say you win four out of those five, you lose or draw the other one. Yeah, you know, you're talking about. 12, po- 12 more points on the board, which is, that's going to put you right in the thick of things. And then on top of those four matches that are very key for the rest of their season, rivalry match against Everton, Chelsea, who obviously you don't like no matter what, yeah. and then you got Stoke, 
we'll see where that goes. And then obviously uh, the last match there, I forget what I just meant. Oh, Tottenham. Yeah. Which is, uh, you're going to get up for that one. Jurgen Klopp has this team playing as well as they have all season long. They're going to Europa League. Manchester United, you saw them take that first result. They win this next one. Now you're really like on a little that, bit And of they're a in a good here. spot here where they can just, if they pop in an early one, they've got their away goal. It's over. It's, they're going to be able to defend, and they're going to be able to hold. United is not going to score more than three goals in this next match. Right. You you, you pot, get your away goal, it's you, over. You get your away goal, it's, right. Then you... Then, Man U has to put in four. Yeah, it's you're not going to You're not going to get... Not with that lineup that they've been putting out lately. Right. I, I'm not too worried about it. I think they've done quite well to be able to slow them down. And I think to go all the way back to the beginning with Jurgen Klopp and what we expect from him, you expect the type of boost that Billage gave West Ham, if that's any type of an answer. So West Ham, any other year, you're talking about a team that's right in the middle of the pack. Now they're in the top five. So, yeah. Right, right Liverpool now, Liverpool be is, a- is a number... Seven eight team now with Klopp they're a three four or two three right. or a three four team right now they're right in the Champions League consistently where you know where you add him and I think his biggest strength and I will maintain this until the day that I die is his ability to manage teams in tournament play when they get into the domestic cups then when they get into the Champions Leagues or the Europa uh, Europa Leagues he or whatever he knows when to sit bodies that's he knows when, when he does not to. best. He builds a very good roster regardless of what he has available to him. And we've seen this time and time again, at least in the Europa League. That's when he does very well. And then, yeah, obviously at Dortmund, he's made a Champions League final. That's where his biggest strengths are. He's united this team. This summer is going to be huge for them. We'll see where it goes. But ultimately, my eyes currently going forward are going to be on the Europa League matches. Taking out Manchester United, that's enormous. And then after that, where does it go from there? You're talking about two more or. Three more rounds to being a champion. Yep. Two more rounds to getting yourself to a final, a European final, nonetheless. And we'll see. If you make a League Cup final and a European final on a team that was given to you. Yeah. He has, he's literally bought, in terms of players that are actively on the team right now, they have, one, any of them. they have one loan. Yeah. Steven Calker, yep. who hasn't played in a month. Yeah. So you're talking about a team that is completely right void of players that he chose to bring in. And Stephen yeah. Calker was literally, they only brought him in because they needed some extra safety. And yeah. I believe he's been hurt for most of the last yeah. month and a half anyway as well. So you're talking about a team that is completely built by Brandon Rodgers and he's still pulling out these results, doing exactly what the team was doing prior to his hiring. So I feel pretty good. All right. I'm, I'm all right with Jürgen, <laughs> Zenomervan. Um, anything else that you've seen in the past week or two or three or four now that we haven't talked Liverpool in that long that you want to get out of the way or are you just really liking this Klopp thing? You can Europa League, league. Going uh, into this summer, and this is my biggest thing, going into this summer the team is going to have to address a couple of different positions. Defensively, they are hor- they are horrendous. They are. They have Joel Matip <laughs> coming from Schalke who has been a pretty big part of that defense for a few years. I think they need to start to really dig deep. And there's there's three positions that I'm really looking at that they need to make decisions on. One is going to be... Center back, center back, center (laughs) back. Goalkeeper. Those two. (laughs) Goalkeeper is number one. Uh, They they need to kind of decide, is Simo Mignolet the shot stopper going to outweigh getting yourself a sweeper keeper who's going to be able to read the game better? Right. Well, and my my thing just with Mignolet is Mignolet, I... He's a we talk, I've talked about with you great PK great PK kicker shot stopper. But what good is that in a league when you don't have PKs? Right, he's, he's a good cup. Goalie. He doesn't, and, I, and I've noticed this over the last three years now. <coughs> he doesn't read his box very well. He doesn't communicate to his defenders very well. The best 
keepers of all time. Jean-Luigi Buffon, Edwin Van Assar, Schmeichel. These guys were very, very good at being able to take their defenders and place them in areas to create shots that were completely adverse. If you let in a goal that's a world-class goal... You're nobody's re- going to look at you and right. say you did something right. wrong. You know, right. But if say you're you giving suck. up shots that are you know within the, that 18-yard box. Drilled at your chest and you jump out of the way. <laughs> <laughs> or let it go between your legs. You know, that's where it becomes a little bit of an issue. And I think that's what you're seeing from Simo Mignolet. He, he can stop any shot you take at him. If he had nobody in front of him and you just took a shot on him, he can get to it. Like you said, on he, a penalty he's a, kick. But I, he can't defend against that, I've, which is very, very basic he, for he's a goalkeeper. A, he's, I, I think he's a very good mid-table keeper in the Premier League, which is no indictment on... There's no indictment on that. I think that that's a... A, you're making a good career off of it. Right. You're going to be one of the top... At that level, you're probably going to be one of the top 20 goaltenders in the world. You want, Maybe top 25, but like you said, Liverpool, here, the expectations that Liverpool has. He wants to be a jerk. Here's a jerk for you. Simo Menule would be a great re- keeper for West Ham. Yeah, well, no, there you go. There you go. I, a I, team that they, they siphon, they change their defense every year. Yep. They're going to constantly have a little bit of a rotation on that, and he's a guy that can be that last line of defense and be very good at that. Right. Liverpool needs a sweeper keeper who can sit back there and basically let that press go forward and just basically right. say, hey, where are my two central defenders? That's all I need. Yeah. And just be a, a little diamond between those two guys yeah. and the holding midfielder. Now, again, Mignolet is not a bad keeper, but again, he's a guy that doesn't fit what they're trying to do. Outside of that, they need to figure out what they want to do at striker. They have Danny Ings coming back next year. They have Dave Okarigi, who has shown... A- Benteke is really good at not doing anything. <laughs> he's very good at facing the opposite end of the pitch. He's another guy we'll send to West Ham. Um, you guys are going to be great in Champions League next year, though. <laughs> um... What but, happened? I, I, I missed all the, yeah. uh, the jerk and Klopp fellatio. I just got into Sorry. I do love Klopp, too. You know I love Klopp, which sucks that he's Absolutely. in Liverpool now. But you've seen what this team looks like with a with a competent striker in Daniel Sturridge. You've seen what they look like when uh, Roberto Firmino's at the top of that rotation. And they're very, very good. But they need to find out what they want to do with the striking set. Benteke, I don't believe, is going to be part of this team next year. Mario Balotelli is probably not going to be a part of this team next year either. They're going to let both of those guys walk. He might be in the MLS next year, by the way. Balotelli. Either that or China. I've I've heard two rumors from one of the The Chinese League's moving. Maybe we'll do a Chinese League show. So, no, no. There's there's rumors that that's going to be one of the top three leagues in the world in the next two, three years. They're spending the money for sure. But we need to figure out what they want to do with depth there. I think Danny Ings would fit this style very, very well. I think... Uh, what you get out of Daniel Sturridge, if healthy, is exactly what this team needs. However, I feel like there's one more guy that they need to add to that group, and I don't know who it is yet. I don't know if there's even someone out there that they can get. If it's, uh, and I know this is a far fetch, but uh, Robert Lewandowski, lo- his career was. You've got to get off that. His career You've was get founded off with that. You- that is the most aggravating thing every single week. He's either going. <laughs> I- I'll say this right now. He's either he's going to one of three places. He's either staying at Dor- or staying at uh, Munich. Yep. Going to Real Madrid or coming to Liverpool. Those are the three places. He will not. He will not go anywhere else. I guarantee you that right now. So he's going to gonna be, go to Madrid. To, to be third in that <laughs> list is not that bad. Um, but. That's the number two position, being able to get depth at striker and then getting width. This team does not have a great width team, and it's unfortunate because they have fullbacks that are very good at getting forward, but they're very, very bad at crossing the football. <laughs> it is, it's impressively bad between Alberto kind, Moreno and Kind of like and, me with a half Klan. 60 yard wedge in my hand. Yeah, yeah extremely <laughs> similar. They can't. They just can't put it on anyone's head. And honestly, if they were able to do that, then you have your quote-unquote second line to bring in a guy like Ben Teke and say, hey, 
punch this thing through. They're going to put one on your dome, make sure it goes through. Right. But they don't have the width. They'll get Lazar Markovic back off of loan from Fibonacci at the end of the season. Great, but that's only one winger. This team needs to develop more wing depth, and I think this is going to be one of those years where maybe they go after a guy like Marco uh, Marco Royce, definitely for one. I don't think they have a great shot at him. I think he's a guy that definitely is going to Real Madrid. Number two, Mario Götze, who I think they may actually get, though I don't think he's a great wide player. So ultimately, I feel pretty good going into this offseason. That's going to be what I'm waiting for. Like I said, this season was house money for Jurgen Klopp. Next year is when the clock starts. He then has two years to make this team get into where they're supposed to be, which is top four Champions League and a true contender for this both league and Europe. Yeah. Just saying, Slavin turned West Ham from a bottom table team to five Mid in table. less than a year. Mid table. Oh. Alrighty. Well, I am about to take a. I'm about to pip. I'm about to pip to use an off the wagon term. Um, and we have to eat dinner. Grazie. Um, we, I think we're a little late, too. We usually start another show at 8 o'clock uh, oh, live. And we can't start at 8 because it is 8.06. That is off the wagon sports radio. Pelly, what is today's agenda? We today will be talking the March Madness tournament. March Madness tournament, strictly Sunday. March. A lot going on uh, yesterday. We have a. This is as true as true can be. We actually do have a professional who knows what he's talking about that's going to be on calling in today. Uh, Alex Johnson, good friend of mine, who um, is actually a player scout and agent uh, over in Europe. So he's not. He pl- he's, he's, he's a he's player not, scout he's not a, and agent for himself. <laughs> Holy. <laughs> He's got a marketing firm, one hell of a guy, <laughs> hell of a model American. No, a uh, former Indiana University graduate who is an actual player agent over in Europe. Obviously does all the scouting, watches a lot of these young players, uh, picks them up after they graduate, you know, if they don't make it to the NBA. Okay, so he's a triple-A guy. But, no, Alex is a great guy, knows his shit. He's going to be able to give us some really, really, good, really, really great insight. And on top of that, we have the off-the-wagon bracket tournament our reigning champion, and I can't give him any garbage about this. It's Carl Brackett's Badger. Yep. Hey. Yep. Are you going to pick the Wisconsin Badgers to win again this year? <laughs> Probably. Because I don't think it's going to work out as well yeah, as it did last year. <laughs> but yeah, no, big show for Off the Wagon tonight. I'm pumped to do it. The bracket challenge is always, I say always, last year I got completely obliterated and had an absolute blast. So this year we're doing it again. I'm playing getting completely obliterated again and having another absolute blast. Um,. Since this is not live, that will be posted tomorrow around noonish or today. If yep. you're listening to this today, you know what I mean. I'm in a time warp whenever I do that. But uh, it will be right above it. This, right above this, Carl. Right above it. This. Right above it. This. <laughs> right above this. Uh, yes. I'm already getting lubed up for the off the wagon <laughs> bracket challenge. I'm pumped. Um, but yes, in the upcoming weeks, real quick before we go, we got a whole lot to talk about. Champions League. We are in the quarters. Europa League, we are in the quarters. MLS, we will continue to talk about, if not every week, but with the Premier League coming to an end, that's probably going to turn into our main focus over mm-hmm. the summer, along with Euro 2016. Copa de America coming to coming to Gillette Stadium with two big matches, and it looks like Argentina will be playing here in the quarterfinals. We'll try to touch on all that. Pelly would love to talk some Chinese league soccer, so we're going to try to get that in in the upcoming weeks. Um, and right he apparently thinks soccer. he apparently thinks Man U sucks in the future. I think Man U's going to be looking real good. Maybe we'll debate that one day. And any other topics that you guys want us to discuss, please uh, at OTP Soccer Talk. The only debate that I want to talk about: 
of the three of our teams, only one of them still playing in Europe, baby. And that's me. And it's Rouge. <laughs> well, I'm the only one that's going to make Europe. I don't know Carl's up there. Um, but, yes, yeah, so no, no, we got, a, we got a whole bunch of stuff that we want to talk about, and there's always soccer tournaments going on around the world that we would love to get. number get 20 a, next week. Yep, kid number 20 next week. Uh, so, yes, man on the scribble sticks over there, that's Carl Badger. He's your West <laughs> Hammer fan. Nice. Um, Pelly over here, he's ready to uh, – I can't say that on this show. On the next show, he'll be doing it all over his computer screen. Uh, and he's your, your Liverpool fanatic. <laughs> yeah, he's your Liverpool <laughs> fanatic. And I'm your host, JP Chenard. Enjoy your football this week. <laughs>